Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Boy, what a season it's been, folks. The NCAA 2017 season is over. We have a champion, the North Carolina Tar Heels, after a fantastic game against Gonzaga. And I would like to introduce... Gonzaga's biggest fan and supporter from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, my friend, my partner, Gus Kearns. Gus, the recap show. We're back. How you doing? So glad to be back with everybody. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to Screen the Screener. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. We just want to say ahoy out there to at Matthew Primer. Thanks for joining the audience. And we want to say ahoy out there at Fantasy Rath. Thank you for joining in. Happy to have you guys as part of our Screen the Screener experience. And uh, Mike Randall, let's get rolling with the Rundown Show. Let's get rolling, folks. It's our first year. It's been our first year. Gus and I had a dream. We wanted to start a, a college basketball podcast. We love it. We talked about it, and we did it, and we did it with your support. So we thank you for all of your support. We got over 1,000 followers. We did pretty much 60 shows, great interviews, great support, back and forth, emails, tweets, the whole thing, and we are committed to come back. We're going to continue through the summer, NBA draft talk, player talk, and we're building towards next year where we're just going to attack us, the iTunes rankings, and move up for the college basketball top college basketball podcast around. But this is the recap show, folks. This is where we are taking you through the highs, the lows, the hits, the misses that went on this year, and we're going to cut and splice some of our greatest moments for you. So I hope you enjoy it here. And I think we have to start. If you've listened to the Screen the Screener podcast, you know that uh, while Seth Greenberg called us gurus, really Gus is almost like an amazing Kreskin kind of soothsayer. Uh, if you watch The Carbonero Effect, which I love Gus, quite a show there on uh, TNT, that's what Gus is. And we'll start here because way back, Gus, way back in the preseason, Gus did some predictions. We called him Gus's bold predictions. And he nailed them as he normally does. So why don't you give a listen, folks? Here were Gus's bold predictions from the beginning of the season. First, prognostication. This year, Monte Morris, Iowa State, many All-American teams, okay? He will lead the nation again in assist-to-turnover ratio, even with his increased offensive workload. Okay, next prediction prognostication. Kansas, typically not a big three-point shooting team. No, you're going to go to Kansas. <laughs> will shoot more three-pointers than they have in the five previous years this season. Here's, here's what I think. We, we've talked about how guards are going to win big games in March and big games in the tournament. And his backcourt, I think he's just going to give them the green light and trust them. So I think they're just going to be. I think they're going to have, if they if they have an open spot from three, I think they're going to take it. And I think it's once they start making a couple, look out. I think they're just going to keep putting it up. Gus, and that's you being you right there. You had the vision, right? We talked about how the season was going to start, and before we even got into our preseason All Americans, the AP All Americans, all that stuff, you had the vision. You were spot on about Monte Morris. I didn't even think it was possible, man, that he could have a better assist to turnover ratio than he did, but he blew it his doors off. It was incredible. And then you talked about Kansas. And listen, I didn't think, you know, Kansas is not a great three point shooting team. They've had a couple guys. They've had Sharon Collins, this and that. 
But they totally transformed the type of way they played, man. And it was fantastic to watch. And you were on both of those. Well done. I tip my hat. So let's just go over some quick stats, if that's okay for the, the fans out there. We're just going to go back to way back. Hit the way back machine to 2012. 2012 with the team that had uh, Thomas Robinson and, and Tyrod Taylor. They put up 646 threes. It's a lot of threes. The following year in 2013 with Ben McLemore, they put up a modest 594 threes. Then they went even more interior with Wiggins and Embiid in 2014 and went 556 threes. Interesting. You see a trend coming here, right? The following year uh, in 2015, they were right on the mark again uh, with 562 threes. That was with Ellis, uh, Mason, and Graham as youngsters. In 2016, self let let the you know let let his players be the players and they jacked it up 728 times but this past year he said let it fly even further and they put up almost 800 threes 787 threes between Mason Graham and Jackson among others and Vic um, so I feel like we were right on with that one and then also if we're going to talk about Monte Morris, he was uh, everybody's like darling for the point guard, maybe first or second uh, All-American teams early on. And then Iowa State kind of went south for a little while. And we said that they were the borderline tournament team. And then he comes back and crowns a sweet 16 season with pretty much a one to 5.2 turnover to assist ratio. Crazy. Crazy. Insane. Insane. Totally crazy. And I could not think he was getting better. As Gus pointed out throughout the year, if you remember, folks, you know, point guards have two to one assist to turnover ratios. That's thought as is pretty solid. Two to one is pretty good, right? Uh, he was four to one last year. And then this year, as Gus said, it's five to one, 217 assists, 42 turnovers. It's not even worth discussing. It was a great call. You know, I thought Iowa State would struggle. You know, we'll get into the All American stuff. And, and, and I kind of had him a little low, and he almost pulled it out for me there. But they really came on at the end. They came together. They didn't have. They had a sophomore slump for a while, but they picked it up. And Gus, you know what the turning point for Iowa State was? It was that yep. win at Kansas. That's where everything changed. And they had quite a run. They gave Purdue all they could handle. And who knows, man, if they win that game, you know, Purdue didn't put up much of a fight against Kansas, but Iowa State may have. You know, it's funny how these two things kind of like Cohen. Uh, coalesce, coalesce together and, and, and kind of found their rhythm together where these two predictions met directly in the middle with that huge win for Iowa against Kansas in overtime and Monte Morris played like a beast that game and he played Frank Mason to an absolute standstill in that game. And Frank Mason is the player of the year in, in the whole entire country. So that it's funny how those two predictions kind of ran into each other's like, uh, like knocking heads. Um, what do we got next for the people? What we got next is then we went to the AP All-American team. So Gus and I talked about our thoughts on the preseason AP All-American teams. And we had some pretty definitive thoughts on who they listed as first-team All-Americans that didn't quite work out. Give a listen. So I felt like the last year's AP preseason team was not that far off. Was not. Because all of those guys put up gigantic numbers. Mm -hmm. Every single one of them 
I'm not 100% on Wiltshire, but every single one of them is in the NBA right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, they, I mean, I, th- I feel like they did a phenomenal job, but things do change. Things do change, and uh, my opinion, Gus, is that this year's um, All-American team is not going to be as close at the end of the year as last year's was. And let me let me take you through my thoughts here, okay? okay? Okay. All right. All right. I like Grayson Allen. I do think that the tripping incidents hmm. and all that little stuff that went on last year – the extracurriculars. That, yeah, that doesn't disappear, all right? No. So this year he's going to be asked to bring the ball up the floor more. Matt Jones did a little bit last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think his numbers are going to go down. Uh, I think he's going to have to get more people involved. I think he's a, a, a real great clutch shooting guy. Absolutely. I don't think Grayson Allen is going to be a first-team All-American. I do not think Duke will be as good as they think they can be if he is is he is like far and away the leading scorer on the team. If he's dropping 22 a game, yeah. I don't think that's because he's got to get these freshmen involved. Yeah. If you put a choice in front of me, I am choosing not first-team All-American. I'm thinking the exact same thing with, with Ivan Rabb. Mm-hmm. Um, when we did our preview on Cal... Uh, we talked about how I thought maybe he would have a little bit of a sophomore slump. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of some of the similar uh, elements go into the equation of the sophomore slump with him that mm-hmm. you mentioned with Grayson Allen. There's going to be more attention on him. You know, they had a lot going. Uh, they had a lot transferring out mm-hmm. and graduating, or just going to the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I think people are a little off on him, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's like also receiving votes for third team. And again, we're not hoping for him to have a bad season. We're hoping nothing but success for him. But I just think the forecast is a little off. Can't agree with you more. I, I, I like Ivan Rab. I like what Quanzo Martin's done. He's turned Cal, got him going again. But they, lo- I mean, they lost Jalen Brown. Uh, Wallace was a senior. Mm-hmm. You're telling me he's going to step up and be the centerpiece of that team? I'm telling you, I don't see Cal as a top 20 team. And if they're not a top twenty team, tough to be all Rab American. is not a first team All American. Tough. Listen, he's the type of guy who could be a lottery pick, Absolutely. but it doesn't mean he has to be first team All American. I could not agree with you more. Like him, he's talented. He, I, I'm with Fu- you. Future NBA player. Future NBA player. Absolutely. A little bit of a sophomore slump I see coming. I'm mm-hmm. with you on that. Mm-hmm. I do not have him. So the first two players, I do not see his first. We do not <laughs> see his first team All American. Well, Gus, there you go. So uh, Grace and Allen, we kind of nailed, uh, quite frankly. Um, I, I, you know, the thing, the tripping, the extracurricular stuff. And really, Gus, they struggled all year, despite the fact that, right, everyone thought Kentucky and Duke. Beginning of the year, all those magazines we looked at, all that stuff we looked at, right, Kentucky, Duke. Yeah. They, they, they struggled. And Grace and Allen struggled. And it really mirrored. I mean, Duke had a great end of the season run. But in the end, they just didn't have it going enough to maintain the tournament, right? And part of the reason they didn't have it going enough to maintain it was Grayson's Allen. Grayson Allen's role wasn't defined in cement. He, they asked him to run a little point. Yep. They asked him to be a distributor. They asked him to be a wing player. As awesome, as amazing, as out of this world uh, their other players were, his role was definitely compromised. He came into the season getting votes for the preseason player of the year in the nation, not just not just in the conference, in the nation, and he ended up being the third best player on his team. Yeah. So not only were we right on with it, but we were right on with it on many fronts, and that was part of Duke's conundrum of like, what do we do with this 
highly hyped player, and now we have Kennard, who's playing at an All-American level and an ACC level, and we have our freshmen that are we're trying to integrate. Yep. But like, it, it just felt like they they couldn't get anything to sign, and then and then throw in Coach K's like I'm here, I'm not here, I have back surgery, I'm gonna throw it yeah. to my mm-hmm. assistant coaches mm-hmm. like that, that it just spelled a mess and it was a mess and it ended up being a very average ho-hum throwaway season for duke i love it you know sports is not logical that's why we love it that's why we're doing this that's why anybody's out there listening right now that's why you are it's not logical the idea that duke could have all these loaded freshmen and grace and allen could be so very good and this team does not do what it does and they struggle pretty much for most of the year that's why we love it the second one gus you were all over it ivan rab I mean, mm. Cal, Ivan Rab. It was very simple, right? He had a great year, and so he came back, and they saw him as a dominant big man. But we went a little deeper, right, on Quanzo Morton? Look, it was pretty simple. He was not asked to handle the offensive load his freshman year because that was put on uh, the point guard, that was put on uh, Jalen Brown, that was put on uh, Matthews, who transferred to Gonzaga. So he was almost like fourth or fifth wheel on that California team that was unbelievably talented. And then all of those guys go their separate ways and he's kind of left there holding the, holding the package. And I think that was a little too much for him to handle and not that he got exposed, but I think that like, you know, just the truth was told. He couldn't handle the additional offensive uh, requirements of being a top 25 team on his own. That's it. So I, I think it was pretty simple. Well said. And you know what the thing is? Four out of five games there in December told the whole story. Gus, they played Princeton, Seton Hall, UC Davis, Cal Poly, and then UVA, right? Mm-hmm. Four yeah, those, early on in the season. Right? Early on in the season, right? Yeah. Four of those five games, Gus, he had less than nine, nine points or less. That sums it up right there. And that's why they struggled. He had four points against Oregon in a blowout loss on a, on a, on a Thursday night. He played 33 minutes, by the way. He is not that type of player. Ended the season with mediocre stats, 11 points, 12 points, 12 points, 11 points, 13 rebounds, 13 rebounds, 6 and 7. Not exactly the highest competition there. One of those games was Oregon State. Uh, they won by 5 at home. Uh, so, you know, it's just he's not that type of player. And when we get into the lottery, and, and you and I will have a lot to say about the lottery in the draft. I mean, yeah. gosh, Gus, I, this is my question. Is this a guy who who is going to step in? And, and, you know, I've gone on Twitter with a lot of strong comments about who I think should leave. Ivan Rabb. I mean, did he did – he, now, people are going to argue to me, well, he should have stayed. I don't know, Gus. I mean, maybe he's just not that good. I don't know. But sure, I know what I, I – know, know, I know one thing. You nailed that he was not going to be first team All American. That's sure. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure why people were saying that. So I, I think if we're going to, you know, play fortune teller here and go look in the draft a little bit, if I were Ivan Rab, like, why not just cut your losses and go for it? Because you were going to be a lottery pick last year after your freshman season with a limited, small sample size that NBA executives can dive into, and now that you had a much larger palette for NBA executives and GMs and scouts to dig into because you were on that first level of offensive um, option for California. It just seemed like why not cut your losses and go now where you would have been a lottery pick last year. So maybe you're a top 20 pick this year. If he stays again, maybe that might even drop even further. And just to you know, talk about Grayson Allen a tiny bit and him coming back to Duke and his decision to do that, 
I think this goes back to one of the conversations that we had earlier on one of our podcasts when his tripping incident was like, you know, full blown and on national news. Why wouldn't you come back and try to get it right? Yes. Yes. Like come back and just try to clean up as much as you can. That's it. If he leaves now, like, is he going to be a second round pick? Absolutely. Is he going to make an NBA roster? Yeah, absolutely. He's unbelievably talented. He's really gifted athletically. Um, he has a really unique skill set. But, like, why wouldn't you just come back and try to get it right? And, like, he can just kind of reset the clock, which is really odd. And this is, like, one of the most unique opportunities that I think any college basketball player has had in the past 10 years of the sport that we've been following. Like, he came in this year as a first-team All-American candidate and totally, you know, he, he just blew it. Let's just put it that way. Yep. Right? Put it mm -hmm. very simply. Blew, blew it. it. Totally. He gets a, he gets a chance to hit the reset button. How many players? How many student athletes? How many how many people in life get to hit the reset button the way that he's going to be able to able to hit it next year at Duke? Like he better take advantage of this opportunity because this is one of the most unique opportunities that has ever been afforded to any student athlete or any athlete or any person that has a job or or is has some sort of requirement or has some sort of responsibility ever in the history of requirements and responsibilities. Yes, well said. And the thing is, he he just there's too much baggage with him right now. And my my view is this, folks. I've been very critical on Twitter. If you're going to be a lottery pick, you can leave whenever you want. You're going to be a lottery pick. That's a different story. You're going to be a top yeah. 15 pick. You're going to have a big time contract. They're going to want you in the league. That's it. But if you're going to be a late first round, second round pick at any point, especially freshman and sophomore year, you've got to come back because there's just no point. You can't tell me that being the 28th pick there and Grayson Allen, certainly Gus, what do you think? If he came out, maybe a late first round pick. I mean, no one has taken him with his tripping character. He's coming look, off the season that, as a 12th pick. That, that's not happening. Late first round is optimistic at right. this point. So he's got to come back. He's got, and you're like you said, hit the reset button. You know, lead your team to victories and be a first team All American, and then you come back out again. And by the way, can you go one year without tripping somebody? <laughs> by the way, that team is not going to be that bad next year. Of if we're just going to, you know, no. talk ten seconds about it. Of course, not. they have him. They have Frank Jackson. They yes. have an awesome point guard that Bol they're hopefully going to sign. Bolden's coming Bolden back. coming yeah. back. Yeah, Hell yeah. Like that's a, that's a good squad coming back. Like I, if if I were him, like start those three guards and like go ahead and run with it. Bingo, bango. Uh, the rest of the preseason Gus AP All-American team was Grayson Allen. It was Ivan Rabb. It was Josh Hart. It was Monte Morris. And it was Dylan Brooks. All right? Yeah. And, and just to touch on this real quick. Folks, if Monte Morris is not a lottery pick, some team is doing it wrong. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about the guy from Lithuania. I don't want to hear about the garbage. Monte Morris is a tremendous player. As Gus said, the assist-to-turnover ratio played great for Iowa State. He was the whole darn team. Deontay Burton was an ancillary player to Monte Morris. So Dylan Brooks, Gus, we could argue if he wasn't injured, probably would have made first team. Yeah. I mean, they tied for the Pac-12 title, right? I mean, very, like very fair argument there. I think that's that's a legit argument. He got have. second anyway. Josh Hart was first, had a great season in Villanova. So honestly, they weren't totally off, but the two they missed. Okay, Monte Morris, you know, obviously not on there. But we got Grayson Allen and Ivan Reb, so I think the screen the screener pockets is pretty well for ourselves. What do you think? Yeah, I think we hit the target there. We definitely identified the issue and then went ahead and attacked the issue. So then after that, Gus, we gave our first, second, and third team All-American picks. And some, Gus, we got right. Next one I'll go to, I referred to him as the best 
third score yes. on any team in the NCAA. Okay, Ethan, Badgers. Ethan Happ out in Wisconsin. Badgers, everyone back. We talked last time about their political um, speaking up about what they feel is right, which we totally respect. Greg Gard's coach of the year. He's back. He's got everyone back in that conference. Uh, Mr. Happ's going to be third team All-American. Well, you did say he was going to be the third best option on a Division One program. I did. So did I wh- say that? Yeah. yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. So why not put him on the third team All-American? Exactly. The last place I'll go for my second team All-American selection is to the backcourt mate that you had on your third team. And this is the, the prognostication I think I'm going to make here. Malik Monk, who is my final selection for my second team All-American. Got to have a Kentucky guy. And De'Aaron Fox are going to make up the best freshman backcourt in the country this year and one of the best freshman backcourts in history. Wow. Wow. I, you know, and, and I was trying to figure out, like, what's Cal Perry going to do? What's going to be his thing this year? Remember, he had five in, five out a couple of years ago. That could be it. That could be, maybe I'm selling them a little short. I don't Though, know. And we've said a number of times guards win in the tournament. Harrison's brought them to the final four, made those big shots in the tournament. I think Monk and Fox together are going to be more dynamic than them. Wow. Tremendous. And then I did go out on a limb on this one. Yes. I, I think, Say it. Yeah. I think Frank Mason. There it is. Okay. Frank Mason controls the court well. I was very impressed with how he played in the tournament. I did not think he was a good enough scorer most of the year, and then I started watching him. Mm. I think he steps up his game. Mason is Mr. Consistency. I would not be surprised. Self wins yet another Big 12. They get a one seed. That would be 13, and, and be- the 13, 13 right? in a row. And because of that, Mason gets first team All-American as a table setter. I mean, you're you're bringing back a guy that averaged 13 points a game last year, four and a half rebounds, four and a half assists, 38 percent from three. So he got better. He's always going to be on the court. He's incredibly athletic, and nobody's going to push him around. And he's going to be on a team that could be a one seed. I'm a big fan of Frank Mason. Love the zero. Well, you know, it's funny, Gus. Uh, it, thank you. I, you know, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny, man, of course. So I really – we loved we loved Wisconsin. We did the thing. You had that beautiful diatribe on Koenig and Nigel Hayes, which was lovely beginning of the year. We really loved Wisconsin the whole year. And then the wheels fell off the darn bus, okay? And they played terribly right. down the stretch. And then they pulled it back together in the tournament. So, yes, I loved Ethan Happ. I think he proved exactly what I thought. I didn't think Hayes was the well a totally well-rounded score that many thought. Koenig is hot and cold. I thought Hap would be a key guy, and he ended up having a good year. It was, some of them work out, right? Listen, the call with Hap on third team was absolutely outstanding. That was like, again, it was visionary. Uh, the fact that we you overlooked both Caning and Hayes was out, out, outlandish at best, but absolutely visionary. But let, let's just call it what it is. Your call of Frank Mason the third to be first-team All-American during the preseason was absolutely amazing. Nobody had him on their first team. You mentioned the first teams uh, of Grayson Allen uh, and Ivan Rabb and, and Monte Morris and Dylan Brooks. and But nowhere, nowhere does anybody have Frank Mason except Mike Randall. Mike Randall, well done. Not only did you nail him for first-team All-American – he was the darn player of the year in our favorite sport this particular season, 2017. Absolutely unbelievable call on your part. 
Hashtag blind squirrel. Listen, I, you th- we, we thought Kansas was going to be good. You and I both right. thought that, right? Right, right, sure, uh, sure. So here's the deal. I'm looking at Kansas. They're a donut. They got nobody inside. Okay, we love Svi Mihailik. If it was a seven-step travel contest, he'd win it. Devontae Graham is streaky and proved Gus that he was streaky. I'm even more proud of that one. He was terrible in that game against Oregon, and they needed him <laughs> badly. Was, what, what was it? What was it three points? Oh, it was t- three points, but that's who he yeah. is. Now, Josh Jackson was fantastic, and your Josh Jackson call was great. He was better than I thought he would be, but even if he was good, who the heck is leading the team in scoring? It's got to be Frank Mason. It's like the clue game, right? Professor Plum with the candlestick. So, listen, I thought he would be, you know, high teens. He, he's he was he's a solid leader. He's going to be on the floor. And he's a point guard. And guards win in the tournament. He ended up leading the Big 12 in scoring. Yeah. I mean, 50% from three-point range. And, and this is another one. I'm trying to stay focused. Gus is, is trying to keep me focused here because I could go nuts at any second. The right. idea that Frank Mason is not getting drafted is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Draft Express has him as the last draft pick in the second round. We're not going to get into this now. I'm not. I'm sorry, Gus. No, no, no. But, please, uh, please don't. But also, man, I have to give you credit because I liked Fox a lot better than Monk, and that was not the case. You nailed Monk. You put him on second team. That's exactly where he ended up, Malik Monk. You got the Kentucky guy. And, of course, I will return the claps to you. That freshman backcourt was the best freshman backcourt, maybe the best backcourt, period, in the country this year and has been one of the best freshman backcourts in the history of NCAA basketball. You nailed it. They had such defining games. I mean – Fox with his defining game in the NCAA tournament with 39 points. Uh, Monk with his multiple memorable games during the regular season against NC and against UCLA. Um, and his, his, his like, you know, reindeer optics in the second half of games where he would just go off for 20 plus. They, like, their games were memorable and defining. That's almost like more important than them like putting up good stats, right? It's almost like non. It's almost like unimportant that like Malik led his conference in yeah. scoring, or that he was first team uh, All SEC, or that or that Fox was you know this unbelievably dynamic point guard. Like th- their moments were so memorable that that's what's going to make them go down in history as like one of the best freshman backcourts in history is the fact that they like had those like you know capsuled uh, fo- like you know little. Uh, photoshopped moments that you're going to keep in your brain forever. Like that 43 point game for Monk is never going to go away. Like that thing is going to, uh, the 47 point game is never going to go away. That thing is going to be in your, in your memory bank forever. And that 39 point game from Fox in the tournament is gonna, not going to go away. Nope. That's going to be there forever because he blew balls pants off in that game. Yes, he did. And that's what everybody's going to remember. So those two guys killed it this year. So impressed with both of them. They did. I remember, listen, Monk showed up in that big UNC Kentucky game. We did the 10 round fight, the breakdown. Oh, I mean, was he, awesome. he was spectacular. So I tell you this all the time. I like my first, second, third team All-Americans to be people with stories. Okay. And Monk, Monk was a story. He's one of the biggest stories in, in college basketball this year. Now, here's the funny thing, man. <clears throat> Let's look back at our teams and, and poke some fun at ourselves. I'll oh, make, man. I'll, yeah, I, I took a look at this. Yeah, I'm ready for this. There we go. I'll, make, I'll start my third team, then you give you a third team. All right, here we go. So I put Monte Morris. Now, I'm not upset about that one because I feel it was really close. I think Morris could have gotten on third team, so I feel like that one was kind of a win. Tyler Dorsey, I kind of think was a win also. He led all players in the NCAA tournament in total points scored. He had a fantastic year. He really played well. Listen, he wasn't a third-team All-American. I get it. Okay, but I kind of felt like that one was okay. 
Uh, Hap was right on. Trevon Blow was not good. Listen, Trevon Blow had an excellent NCAA tournament, so that's great. But Gus, to be fair, for most of the year, Trevon Blow was an afterthought. Okay, he was not a guy who took any games over, maybe sporadically here and there. And they had some injuries. I understand that. But Trevon Blow was not a third-team All-American player. De'Aaron Fox, man, I wanted that one. I <laughs> He was like right there. He was right Look, there, he was but, right there. But he had the injuries. If you include the tournament, he had a great one. So overall, and this is not going to be the case with my other picks, third team for me was okay. wasn't too bad. What about your third team? We need to hit the timeout button here. Oh, I, I got, I got it. I got you. Want me to read it? I got it. Yeah, go for I it. I can read it, then you comment. Yes. So, so Gus, that will do your third team. You had Grayson Allen. Okay, which was which was closer than anything because he, you know, he didn't make it, but you had him on third team. He's probably got some also receiving votes. Joel Ber- Joel Berry the second. Miles Bridges, Dennis Smith Jr., and Edmund Sumner, who got injured. That's not fair. So Grayson Allen, Joel Berry II, Miles Bridges, Dennis Smith Jr., Edmund Sumner. Go ahead. Yeah, not, not, I don't think it was that outlandish. Joel Berry is probably right there. You, I'm sure he was on some third team somewhere for some awards. Uh, Miles Bridges had injury problems during the season. Yep. Maybe if he played the whole entire season, that would have had a chance. Absolutely. Um, Grayson Allen, we, we kind of discussed this earlier. Look, Dennis Smith Jr., I was kind of on – I was on his train early, and we can just get, hit the rewind button to that dunk and that win. Oh, my at goodness. Duke. Oh, it's the one dunk of the year. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and when we go ahead and look at the draft lottery, like later on this, uh, you know, later on the season uh, in a couple more podcasts, we're going to have him really high up. Um, NC State just did not have the success as a team as we were hoping. Um, so. Were some of those a little outlandish? Yeah, a little bit. But I think some of them were kind of right on, and I can't wait. I'm so excited that Miles Bridges has actually decided to come back next Not year. Not as I am, my friend. No. Uh, oh, my goodness. How great man. is that? How great is that? I think it's wonderful. I think it's the right freaking move. Sure, it would have been a lottery pick, Gus. He could be the number one pick in the draft next year, and I would have taken a number one this year. I'm getting off on a tangent. I'm sorry. Refocus me. Okay, so let's go to your second team <laughs> yes. and then not go off on yes. your Miles Bridges tangent. I, and, and I'm just going to go off on a little 10-second tangent here too. Um, you know what's really cool about next year? You have Grayson Allen coming back and you have Miles Bridges coming back. Two unbelievably recognizable names for not only college basketball fans but just for casual sports fans because there are a lot of people that pay attention to uh, – uh, to Michigan State, and everybody knows who Grayson Allen is. So moving forward to the 2018 season, like our sport has two like definitive stars that are coming back to play yeah. next year, which huh. is really cool and great for the sport. A hundred percent. What was it? Keeping it 100? That was one of our podcasts. You taught me that phrase. Keeping it 100 is what that is. Keeping it 100, Mike Randall. All right, second team, Gus, not as strong. Uh, Grayson Allen, that's a bad miss. Okay, I mean, you had him on third team. That's okay. Second, he's not second team All American. So you know what? Right. I should have stuck with it and dropped him lower, and I didn't. Joel Berry, like Joel Berry, should have been Justin Jackson. I picked the wrong guy there. Sure. Melo sure. Trimble was okay for me, Gus. For for yeah, the beginning, fine. he was okay, but you know, he kind of tailed off about yeah, I don't know, halfway point. You want to say two thirds? Remember, they didn't play a ranked team for most of the year. Listen, you know? how many games was he responsible? for winning by himself for Maryland this year. Yeah. We, we were keeping count during the season. I think it was up to six. Yes. That's, yeah. not, that's not a bad pick. Yeah, but I outkicked the coverage. He's not an All-American player. He's not a second-team All-American player. But, yeah, he had some moments. Uh, Josh Jackson, second team. He ended up being third team, I believe. So, I mean, yeah, uh, you very, know, right very church, good. wrong pew. Okay. Yeah, right on. Right on there. And then, Gus, maybe the single worst <laughs> prediction of all of our All-American teams, Jerron Blossom game. Now, look. <laughs> 
Look, I'm going to defend you here. You can go off on your diatribe on this. He had a great season. <laughs> they had a terrible year as a team. They lost so many close games. Uh, if they if they turn those around, Gus, how is Brommel around, back? And then we're talking about it. But how like, is Brad Brommel back? <laughs> go ahead. Please go ahead. Thank you. Gus, Gus and I have been best friends since 1986. Thank you very much, my friend. But listen, I do think Blossom Game had a good year for Clemson. He, he did. He, he did. played 34 yeah. minutes a game. He shot 50% from the field on 441 attempts. 17.7 points per game, six and a half rebounds, one and a half assists, a block, a steal. Okay. And he never fouled out of the game. Yes, Gus, he did win some games. Sure, that 12 o'clock game at Pittsburgh, he won that no one was watching. And that's very nice of you. And he was good. And he's going to get drafted. I, th- I think I saw him draft express oh. like second round, early second yeah, round guy. Yeah, yeah he'll be drafted. He's a late first round, second round guy for but sure. But Gus, let's keep it 100. That's a terrible second American <laughs> prediction. No, look, no, no, take no. a flyer on every one of these. <laughs> if we take a look at my first team, I think we'll be playing the same tune. So well, don't worry. Well, we'll go to you. Let's go to your second right now. Uh, right, very quick. So here's you go. And, and I got to tell you, one of them, Gus, I'm just going to applaud you again. Josh Hart you had on second team. Thomas Bryant, you had second team. Caleb, oh. Caleb Swanigan. Caleb Swanigan. Gus, he didn't make any of my teams. I mean, that's horrific. Monte Morris there, and of course you nailed Malik Monk. So Josh Hart, Thomas Bryant, Caleb Swanigan, Monte Morris, and the correctly predicted Malik Monk. I think the only one off there was Thomas Bryant, uh, just because Indiana had a down season due to injuries. But I think everybody else is in the ballpark, whether it be a team above or a team below. I was way on Caleb Swanigan. I think another one of our prognostications was that he was going to lead the nation in rebounding and save Angel Delgado nailed from Seton Hall. I think we nailed that one nailed as well. It, nailed it. Yeah, so I think I think we're pretty close there. And the rest of those guys obviously are in the neighborhood for first, second, or third team All-Americans. Um, Malik Monk was fantastic. Caleb Swanigan was arguably one of the best players, one of the three best players in the nation this year. Um, Monte Morris. Started up, went down, peaked back up, especially with that Kansas win. And then uh, we can kind of just put the Thomas Bryant thing to the side. I think you kind of won me over because you were a big Thomas Bryant guy earlier and our talks earlier made me kind of win him over. Hmm. Um, I'm, I'm still I'm still hopeful that, you know, if he comes back for Arch or even if he goes into the NBA draft, I'm hoping that he has success. Well, listen, you get kudos for the Caleb Swanigan pick. I have to tell you, Gus, I find the Thomas Bryant pick reprehensible. I'm sorry. I just don't understand how you didn't see that Thomas Bryant was going to be good. And the fact that you have it on second team All-American, I just think is, is ridiculous. So I just think it's terrible. It's not like I had him on first team All-American. <laughs> Uh, but no seriously we'll get to mine a bit so again great job with Caleb Swanigan Josh Hart you you were one low but you had him in the ballpark there Malik Monk you nailed Morris had a great season yeah you whiffed on Thomas Bryant but if you whiffed then I had a Rob Deere-esque whiff because I had Thomas Bryant Gus on my first team All-American list oh terrible job excellent reference by the way fantastic thank you yes Pete and Cavillia anybody no listen tweet the show if you remember Pete and Cavillia Rob Deere at SDS podcast uh, my first team, and, and by the way, this is why I'm writing for BT Powerhouse, just so I can continually write Gus about Thomas Bryant punishing me for this pick. <laughs> I did have Dylan Brooks. I, I feel good about that Solid, one. He was yeah. second team. If he plays the whole year, he's first team. I nailed Josh Hart. I had that yep. one. So I did get Josh Hart and Frank Mason. I had mm-hmm. Nigel Hayes. That's a whiff. Okay. Yeah. I, I did like Nigel Hayes. I thought he was going to lead Wisconsin to a Big Ten title and that him and Hap would get on. 
that was a whiff as well. So, uh, you know, two, not bad. That Josh Hart got Frank Mason, uh, your first team all around. And then there's one that is funny, I have to tell you. Right, right, right. Uh, there is. Dylan Brooks, Nigel Hayes sure. as well. So that's a wash. Josh Jackson, well done. I did not put him on there. London, London Parentis, I'll let you talk about that. And Markel Fultz, who actually got third team. So go ahead. All right. So, you know, I think all both of us took like one flyer where you're just like, what are you even thinking? <laughs> so London Parentis was my flyer. What are you thinking? I was thinking maybe he could replicate Malcolm Brogdon's uh, success from the year before. Obviously, London Parentis isn't as talented as London uh, as Malcolm Brogdon. I thought that they would maybe have a bigger season. I thought... Also thought that maybe they, you know, maybe this is the year that they break through and make that Elite Eight or Final Four. Obviously, that wasn't the case because they were very challenged offensively. Um, and every every game, I think every game, everybody was kind of saying it with us, shoot the ball, London. So if nothing else, it gave us a little uh, podcast mantra uh, for the whole entire season, which I'm not proud of, but I guess uh, happy for. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Markel Fultz was nasty. He put up crazy numbers, numbers that were like better than like Monte Morris's, but Washington just does not have the success that they, you know, obviously we thought that they might have. Um, Nigel Hayes, I think we were both on board with Wisconsin being a little bit better than they were. They did pull the big upset against, uh, Villanova in the tournament. So we weren't that far off, but, um, I think we were a little off on him being maybe a 20 point scorer. And he ended up being more of a 16-ish point scorer. Um, and I love Josh Jackson, so I was uh, totally on board with him. And and you know what? He might just be the first. He might be the first pick in the could draft. Could be. Not Kel Fultz. No, it could be. He and he should yeah. go higher than Lonzo Ball. But we'll get into that uh, another point. Oh, yeah. Listen, sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna defend you here. Okay, friendship is is thicker than than uh, water. That's not the phrase, but who cares? Uh, uh, London Parentis. I will tell you this. He shows up in big games. That wasn't the issue. My issue with him was that is he going to be consistent? He was not. But to be fair, Gus, he single-handedly won that UNC Wilmington game. I still do not understand how a team with UNC Wilmington, Gus, with those three athletic guards, you would think that the entire game plan would be don't go on the head fakes, don't go on the ball fakes, get all over his grill. And, And they tried, but like he had 24 points, Gus out of the 76, and they beat a UNC Wilmington team, which you correctly called. I had the upset the other way. So he showed up in big games, 22 points when they they blew out Pitt. He had 22 points against Notre Dame in a, in a big win at Notre Dame. You That was one of your fishy lines you nailed, by the way, which we'll get to also. You nailed all your fishy lines. Sure. So he showed up. He scored. It's just he wasn't consistent. That was the issue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Th- thank you for trying to placate my first-team All-American uh, pick of Leonard Parentes being unbelievably off base. I appreciate the justification. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, the, well, here you go. Maybe this will make you feel better. I mean, the Markel Fultz was, was on. You know me. I tend to be a doubting Thomas on Missouri, the show me state. I just thought that Markel Fultz was overrated. But to be fair, Gus, this guy went 30, 35. We had, He's we, nasty. Yeah, we had, we had 27. We had 30, 37 against Colorado in overtime. We had 34 against Stanford. We had th- So, I mean, he, he balled out. He had a tremendous season. It's just he was the only guy. Right. I think we mentioned on one like the rundown of uh, like when they played Gonzaga. He's the guy that had 10 rebounds. Like yeah. if your point guard is yeah. going to have 10 rebounds against Gonzaga and be your leading rebounder, like you're not going to win the game. Uh, as awesome as he is and as talented as he is, like it seemed like at times 
he was the only player that was efforting on the court for that particular team. And it's really interesting because, you know, Romar brings in all these great players Mm -hmm. and he's brought in player after player after player, uh, Fultz being the last line of those players. And did you see where Romar ended up? Very smart. Sean Miller is just so freaking smart, right? Romar can recruit. He needs a job. He stays in the Pac-12. Miller's really smart. He's gonna he's gonna be few. He's gonna get there, Gus. I'll tell you right now. Our preview show next year. I'm pushing Arizona big time. He's there, and you you talk about the numbers, man. Check this out. Markel Fultz, 23 points per game, 5.7 yeah. rebounds per game, 5.9 mm-hmm. assists per game, 1.2 blocks per game, 1.6 steals per game. Gus, 41 percent from three point range and 47.6 percent from the field. You know me with field goal percentage. I don't want to yeah. hear about Westbrook's 51 points when he shoots 39% from the field. Right. Mark Helfoltz did a great job. He's going to be a really good player in the NBA. And you had him. You had him on first team. Well done. You know, I think he's going to be one of the – he's either going to be the first, second, third, or fourth player called off the board um, come June in the NBA draft. I think that's a no-brainer. Uh, I think you can put Josh Jackson into that uh, category as well as one of the first four players drafted. Again, we'll get into this deeper uh, a little bit later, but – I just wish that they had a little bit more team success so people would have been talking about like his success as opposed to his like success in the face of failure. And then like the story would have been a little bit more smiley facey than him being like a go for mine type of guy, which I don't really think he is. Uh, you just read off his assist numbers. He's not a go for mine guy. If he was a go for mine guy, that assist number would be way down. Yeah, totally true. And now, Gus, other parts of the year that people really enjoyed were the interviews, right? We had some special guests extraordinaire. And our first special guest that we had was the legend himself, Gus, Hoops Weiss. Hoops Weiss, Blue Star Media, Philadelphia Hall of Fame. We love Hoops Weiss. He came on early, Gus, and he gave us a chance to talk about some things. And he gave us a nice preview of that legendary UCLA and Kentucky game. Yeah, it's, you know, I put out a Twitter poll last night because we, we are so excited to see that UCLA-Kentucky game on, on Saturday. Oh, you know what? So am I. It, I am. I, 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 you know, I, I'm impressed with you, that, that, that you have that one on the radar. I, I mean, they play at Kentucky's pace. Yep. And it'll be very interesting to see the matchup at point guard. I mean, I have to tell you, I didn't think Lonzo Ball was as good as he was. Yeah, neither did we. But yep. he is. I mean, he's a double-digit uh, assist guy. Yeah. So, I mean, and, yeah. He, and now he's starting to make shots, right? Yeah, and that's a game. I, I'm, I'm, we're going to talk about this today. We're talking to Dick, the great Dick Hoops Weiss uh, from Blue Star Media, a Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame writer. We're, we're going to talk about this today. There's a lot of guys on that team, Hoops, that remember that game out in Chicago two years ago <laughs> that was 41-7. Oh, to yeah. seven. Um, so I know it's in Lexington, and listen, Kentucky obviously is the favorite they should be, um, but that's going to be a fun game at noon on Saturday. Get your popcorn ready. You know what? I, I totally agree with that. Uh, that that's going to be a sensational game. And they, when they picked up TJ Lee and they and, and they and they got Paul, it changed a lot of the way they play. And Hamilton has really come into his own too. I mean, it's a team with a lot of pieces. I mean, it looks like. It looks like they could be as talented as anybody in the pack, and that includes Oregon. 
I mean, uh, Oregon has, has, has got bodies, but UCLA is playing at a very high level right now. You know, Hoops, it sort of, it sort of gets to my, my overarching point, which is I, we love college basketball. We certainly do. But I, I think that this start to the season has been one of the most exciting that I've seen ever. Yeah. I mean, just last night, right, Indiana comes out, plays a great game against UNC, beats them. They beat Kansas, put 103 on them, and they lost to Fort Wayne. I mean, if that's a sign of things to come, I mean, we're in store for a great season. Uh, yes. I mean, that game and then last night Oklahoma State plays Roger State and wins by six. Right, right. I mean, crazy <laughs> scores. I knew it was going to be crazy. Down in our area, and I live right outside Philadelphia, and uh, Chestnut Hill, which is a small little school that's beat Coppin State. Not that it means anything, but you are getting D3 teams wiping out D1 teams. Yep. I mean, and it's, it's, it's crazy stuff. The Fort Wayne thing really stunned me because I thought that Indiana was playing almost as well as anybody. I mean, mm-hmm. they have at least three of their guys who are legitimate Big Ten stars, and I would think they and Wisconsin and Purdue will probably fight it out for the Big Ten championship. But they're really hard to beat at home. Well, I mean, we're going to talk about soothsayers, Gus. I think that's what Hoops Weiss is, huh? Pretty good. How how good is Hoops, man? Like I was that that was what back in November. Back in November, yeah, yeah. He he's insane. I can't wait to talk to him again. Uh, hopefully during the off season, he was spot on about every single one of those things. He talked about the backcourt matchup with Kentucky and UCLA. He talked about like who's going to win the Big Ten, and he yeah. named like you know he named Purdue and Wisconsin mm-hmm, outright, mm-hmm. like. Unbelievable. How good is that guy? Yeah, locked on. I didn't think Lonzo Ball was that good either. I agree with him on that comment. Yeah, it, it was sure. a, It was a tremendous all-around game. He nailed Purdue. You know, Hoops is just locked in. I, I mean, he's just he gets to see all these games. He was down there in Atlanta. So he got to see Kentucky early. Uh, what a great job. He talked about Villanova as well in this in this interview later on. And and just a, a great, great job. And he was a big fan of Mo Watson Jr. also with Creighton. But, of course, that yeah. injury, injury really derailed that season, of course. And he's got himself in some some issues as well. But Hoots Weiss was right on, Gus Forrest. He did a fantastic job. If Look, it, listeners, if you miss that particular interview, it, I mean, you can argue whatever interview on our podcast was one of the best. But that, that has to be in the argument of the best interview that we had on the podcast this entire season. So we're hoping that we can hook up with uh, with Hoops Weiss again, whether it be the, during the off season or again, like during the preseason, so he can go ahead and educate everybody on what's going to happen like three months in advance. Because that guy is locked in. He has a knowledge and a vision on things that is uncanny and unlike anybody else that we're going to talk to during the season. Yep, and and the one consistent thing, Gus, is I felt like all of our interviewers gave us something. They gave us a snippet of something they were right on about. So the next one we'll talk about is our our good friend Eric Fawcett from Press Basketball. Love, love Eric. He's locked into the SEC, especially Florida. And uh, Eric definitely gave us a couple of cool tidbits that we needed to pay attention to. Now, without further ado, let's talk about that SEC. You, you mentioned the Gators. They're your team, your Florida Gators. Let's head over to the SEC, right? Because, you know, certainly to the average college basketball fan, they're going to say it's Kentucky and the rest. So why don't you give us a little preview into the SEC, some other teams that have going under the radar, and, of course, please throw in what Coach Calipari in Kentucky is going to do this year, in your opinion. 
Yeah, well, we might as well just start off with Kentucky. Um, I I don't think we need to talk too much about Kentucky. Uh, me and Mike don't have to. We'll get you'll get that a lot of other places. But uh, yeah, they're what I what I really like is they're going to defend at a high level. And um, just uh, I think I think a problem when you have so many first year guys is shooting always seems to be a problem. Shooting seems to be something that guys get better with experience. And uh, you know, Monk can really shoot the ball, but oh, other than that, jump Lord. shooting might be a question for them. But I'll just I'll leave it there. We we don't need to talk too much Kentucky. They'll uh, they'll defend at a high level and uh, they'll factor in big in a in a late tournament run in March. But uh, yeah, I I should uh, I should mention the Gators for sure. Um, I might be uh, being a homer a little bit as a Gator fan, but I, I do think they're the second best team in the SEC. I think they have all the length and athleticism you need to defend at a high level, and I think they won the jackpot when they got Canyon Berry to transfer. Absolutely. Who is, uh, yep. Absolutely a treat to watch if you haven't, um, because if nothing else, you'll see him go to the foul line and shoot free throws underhanded just like his dad. So <laughs> exactly. it, was actually, it was actually funny because I tweeted out um, video of his first free throws of the season where he shot them underhanded, and I mentioned that he uh, he shoots them like his dad, and um, a lot of people tweeted back and they were like, oh, you mean like his grandfather? And it was, uh, it's no, it's, it is actually his dad. So, uh, it means Danny we're getting old, think- my friend. That's what that means. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, to get to get a guy like that, um, to uh, you know, a graduate transfer like him was is huge for a team that really defended but didn't shoot well. To get a score like that is big. Um, after that, I I mean, we discussed it. I I think it's murky in the SEC. It's it's hard to tell who's up there. But um, I think when it's murky and you don't really know who the best teams are, it's a good a good place to start is just who are the best players. And uh, one of the best players, I think, in the SEC is Luke Cornett at Vanderbilt. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a legit pro prospect. Um, he's not going to really fill it up at the, at the college level, but he's a seven-footer who really shoots the three well and block shots. And I think that's what the NBA looks for in their, in their five men. They want someone who will protect the rim and then step back and knock down a three. So Luke Cornett is someone to watch for. And uh, how, about, uh, how about Moses Kingsley? He's, uh, he's oh, at Arkansas one. and... My goodness, he might be the most lonely guy in college basketball because that's not a great roster, but he's a legit back-to-the-basket big who uh, kind of plays that old-school game, but he'll be, uh, he'll be in the mix to average a double-double. And um, I know it's kind of fun to predict those guys because there's not a ton of double-double guys in college basketball, but he might be one. So he's another big to keep the eye on. But, uh, yeah, the SEC, uh, they need to make hay in, in the non-conference schedule. There's no doubt about it. They need to get some wins to get some credibility behind their names because right now people are talking to the SEC might be a two-bid league, which, I mean, is tough to argue against, but it's it's kind of a mantra that needs to be shifted by the SEC. So I'm hoping they make some, make some hay in non-conference, uh, and uh, by the time conference comes and everyone's beating each other up, that their RPIs and their strength of schedule and – just general reputation will be a lot better. Oh, that's great. And I love the Kingsley call down with Mike Anderson in, in Arkansas, you know, bringing that up-tempo style. That, that's a good one, a 6'10", 230 guy uh, running the floor. <laughs> but I, I, I agree. And, and it's still the SEC in my mind. I understand what you're saying. It may be a little bit down, but to me it's still the SEC. They have that sort of, you know, sort of, of reputation that at any moment those, those teams could get hot. And if they get in the tournament, you don't want to play an SEC team. So I agree. Yeah, and uh... – like I said, they really need to make make hay here while while the sun shines in the non conference. But one thing that uh, the SEC did that was really brilliant for the league, or it's it's looking brilliant, was a couple of years back when they scheduled the Big Twelve SEC Challenge. So right smack dab in the middle of the conference schedule, um, the top eight teams from both leagues get to play 
play each other. So, you know, the SEC team plays a Big 12 team. So it's kind of a really nice boost in the middle of the conference schedule if the conference RPI is kind of low to get a chance for the SEC to play a bunch of Big 12 schools and have a chance to get another quality win. So um, it didn't it didn't work for us last year where I think it was maybe six and two in favor of the Big 12. Yep. But mm-hmm. uh, but um, yeah, it's it'll it'll hopefully do well in our favor since the Big 12 is not as strong as it used to be. So it might be a chance for the SEC to kind of get the reputation up. Uh, Gus, again, consistent with our interviews, Eric nailed it there. The Big 12 SEC challenge, which has been in history now, this was the fourth season. The Big 12 won 7-3 in the first time, 2013-2014. The Big 12 won 6-4 the following year. The Big 12 won 7-3 that year. This year, Gus, 5-5. Five and five. Yeah, it's a little crazy that Eric thought that that would be like a defining moment for that particular conference. And it totally ended up being that because if we take a look at who could have made the Final Four, it ended up being like, Kentucky could have made the Final Four. Yep. Florida could have made the Final Four. And South Carolina yep. did make the Final Four. So in the Elite Eight, the SEC was represented by three separate teams. So that's a great call by Eric. Unbelievable prognostication on his part. Totally right on the money. Here's what happened, Gus. West Virginia beat Texas A&M. Florida blew out Oklahoma at Oklahoma. I remember that game because we had talked about it being a fishy line. It was like Oklahoma by one or something like that. Ended up being a wrong line. Texas Tech beat LSU. Tennessee beat Kansas State. Big win for Tennessee. Oklahoma State toasted Arkansas in a high-scoring game, 99-71. Georgia squeaked by Texas. Vanderbilt actually beat Luke Cornett. Iowa State, that was sort of a low point there. It was late January. Auburn beat TCU. Baylor beat Old Miss. Kansas beat Kentucky. Uh, So those were the games that we had. And Kansas won that game in Kentucky, actually, which was tremendous. So he was right on the money. They went 5-5. and He talked about Moses Kingsley, who was an integral part. He decided sort of an up-and-down year. Uh, Did not play well, unfortunately, in that last game against UNC. Struggled inside, but as a team, Arkansas played very well. He did play tremendous against Seton Hall in the first round. Had 23.6 rebounds. Uh, you know, and sort of was a centerpiece there for a lot of the year, but he nailed it. And Luke Cornett, I mean, my goodness, Luke Cornett's going to get drafted, Gus. Yeah, Luke Cornett had 14 points in that game against Northwestern, and wow. they very, very easily could have won that game mm-hmm. and went on to play Gonzaga in that game, yep. uh, in the next game. And then, you know, we saw how much trouble that Northwestern gave Gonzaga. Um, I, yeah, I, I think that, like, he and Moses Kingsley, let's take a look at that UNC-Arkansas game. I mean, if the ball bounces another way, UNC just might not be winning this particular championship against that Arkansas game. That was the yep. toughest game that they had on their road to this march to the championship. Oh, they were in trouble. Uh, yeah, guess, they yeah. were in big trouble, and Moses Kingsley was a big part of that trouble because he actually matched up with the UNC bigs. He did. That's exactly right. Sometimes it doesn't show up in the, in the scoreboard, and that's what it was. He did show up, and that was they were in a lot of trouble, man. I'll tell you right now. They had to shut them out for the last three minutes just to win that game. And that was something that a lot of people, I'm sitting there saying there is no chance. It wasn't a contrast in styles. It wasn't anything that we thought. But Arkansas had that game won. And every great team, every champion, Gus, I still think has to get by a test. That was their test. They got by it and they rolled. Yeah, you know what? The uh, If we go back and hit the rewind button on that particular game, Arkansas is up with about two and a half to play. Yeah, and 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 UNC's in big trouble, big trouble, and they're they're not marching on to another championship. And Roy Williams isn't raising a trophy, and 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 Arkansas and Moses Kingsley and Eric's prediction 
it was totally spot on. So it was totally cool to have him on to give us some uh, insight on the SEC and what was going to happen. And he totally nailed the Kingsley and Mosley prediction for sure. You know who is marching on though? If they end up lo- if, if um, Arkansas won that game, you know who is going probably going to win the title is Gonzaga. And Gonzaga was one of the teams, Gus, that you certainly were on the entire year. You nailed it. You nailed it as a prediction. We'll get to the final four predictions, which you had two right in a little bit. But we had a chance at earlier in the season to talk to one of our biggest guests, which was Seth Greenberg of ESPN. And he shared his thoughts here in Gonzaga. Let's take a listen to what he said. Coach, there's a bunch of teams that we focused on here right now for the last month or so. I'm just going to name a team and see if I can get a quick take that comes to mind, uh, some of the top teams. Well, one that I really like that I actually predicted to the Final Four start of the season, Baylor Bears. Wow, if you predicted it before the season going from unranked, you are a real guru. No, I didn't realize this is, this is a guru podcast. This <laughs> you, you know what it, a pick the picker. <laughs> I mean, we're, not, we're, not, we're not going triangle action here. I'm not going pure guru on me right here. You know what it is? I, I've seen these teams that play the zone creatively like Syracuse last year, right? Make the final four. And I loved Motley coming back and, and LeConte. That's it, though. That, that, it's worked out well so far. But what do you think about them? Well, actually, they're actually playing some man-to-man this year, which is that, yeah. which won the Louisville game for them as they turned that game around by going man and, and getting matched up. I mean, Jonathan Motley's been really good. Akul's done a good job of protecting the rim. He's averaging over four blocks a, a game. LeConte's done a nice job of, of running their offense. Uh, Alaric Freeman makes shots, and, and Ish Wainwright probably is the guy that kind of keeps it all together. Uh, the team's got some maturity to them. They've got a hard matchup, and they've got a resiliency to them. And I think that's, you know, that's, you know, again, that's a good sleeper pick for the Final Four. I like it. Yeah. I'd have to go to you for some uh, analysis. <laughs> yeah, I wish you would have heard my picks last year. You wouldn't be saying that. Uh, how about uh, my partner, Love's got, got this team going to the Final Four, Gonzaga? I, I think this is Mark Few's most complete team. Yep. Uh, well, I, I had to do a talk for a NCAA symposium this morning, and those guys made me have to stay up and watch them last night. Uh very good, very deep, very complete, a good mixture of youth and experience. The free transfers are terrific. I mean, you saw the start of that game. Jordan Williams bangs four threes against Washington, and then they go inside to Shemek, and then, you know, all of a sudden, Nigel Williams-Goss is surgically just carving up the Huskies, and, you know, Johnny Williams gets that quick offensive rebound, and then, you know, they've got young guys like Zach Collins coming off the bench that's, you know, bouncy and Tilly who can make shots. Very complete team. Uh, I, I really like Gonzaga. I think this is Mark's. Mark's a dear friend, and we have you know. If you tell him it's his best team ever, go no, 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 no. So I'm just going to say it's his most complete team, what? and uh, they're fun to watch. Fun to watch they were, Gus, and fun to watch win over and over again. Listen, can we not ignore? Seth Greenberg, Coach Greenberg calling you an outright guru. That is amazing. That was the best part of that interview. That was totally rambunctious, outrageous, and amazing. I was totally impressed with that. Yeah, Gus, and we both have uh, young daughters, and when we read them Cinderella, right, it sounds great at the ball, doesn't it? But eventually the clock strikes 12, and eventually they can't beat Kansas, Gus. (laughs) And eventually, they ain't making the Final Four. So at the time, it was great. But (laughs) you know what? (laughs) Running down those stairs, looking like the the maid there, didn't look too good. They made the Sweet sweet 16. You weren't that far off. That was the blow-up bracket. If we were going to pick a blow-up bracket, the East was the crazy bracket. It could have been. It could have been Baylor instead of South Carolina. 
if things broke the other way. So don't don't sell yourself short there. Please, please don't, don't, don't. Well, Gus, before we get to you, and, and I want you to speak about Gonzaga and, and why you picked them at the beginning of the year and what stood out, uh, I think we should probably relive maybe our most popular opening. Uh, it was Old Alpha Undefeated Pie, my friend, and... There's two now. Listen, there was two parts to it. I'm not going to play the second part, which is the second part, which is Baylor upstairs in the in the pool, because Gus, quite frankly, that one didn't work out. But your call of Gonzaga did. You were on him the whole year, and what better way to reminisce for a short few minutes? And then the floor is yours, my friend. Alpha undefeated pie. Here it was. Hit the music. All right, be careful. We gotta get the password right, guys. This is it. The biggest party of the year. The biggest party on campus. We gotta get the passwords right. Okay? Shh. All right, here we go. What's the passwords? Uh, Gonzaga and Baylor? Hey, welcome, guys. Come on in. Yeah, yeah, come on in. Come on. Oh, yeah, come on in. Welcome, guys. Welcome to Alpha Undefeated Pie. AUP. Get it? This is the party of the year. This is the frat house to be. A lot of people try to get in, but you got to have those two passwords right. Gonzaga and Baylor. Those are the ones that get you in here. The party's going to go all night long. Let me take you around. Oh, look out. Check it out right here. It's Nigel Williams Goss. Leading scorer for Gonzaga. Just dropped 36 against San Francisco. Nigel, nice moves, man. Keep it going. You're happy you're not a Husky, right? You're a Bulldog. You're in Gonzaga now. Yeah, I see. Hey, listen. You guys get hungry later. This is your man, Senior Shemek Karnowski, the big guy in the middle. Nothing like having a 7-foot, 1-300-pound guy cooking burgers. Right, Shemek, how you doing? Good? Oh, they know, man. They know. They know about the 18 points against Arizona and the 7-point win. They know. They know about 17 against Washington. Yeah, Nigel Williams. Goss knows about that, too. You know what I'm saying. Exactly. That's it, Shemek. You guys want anything to eat? Shemek's the chef tonight. Keep it going, man. All right, this is the pool room here. You guys can come up, shoot some pool later if you want, but it's going to be tough. These two guys run the table. You got senior Jordan Matthews and freshman Josh Perkins. These guys are perfect combination on this pool table. They're deadly. Jordan's a senior. Josh is a freshman. They're both averaging around 11 points per game. Jordan's deadly from the free throw line, 86% and 42% from three. And Josh is only a sophomore, shooting 46%. That's best on the team from three. Guys, you'll never be off this table, right? You need anything, let me know. Shemek's cooking burgers. Yeah, I want to take you out back. See this lake? See how beautiful this is back here? Yeah, so tranquil. Yeah, with that, that 7-foot, 230-pound freshman, Zach Collins. Yeah, that's right. 10 points per game, 5 rebounds per game. Hey, Zach, how you doing? Yeah, catching anything? All right, cool, man. Good. Ah, uh, he's been such an integral part. Yeah, and of course, Coach Few is with him. Yeah, Coach Mark Few. 18 years at Gonzaga, 481 wins, 82% winning percentage. 
been ranked in the AP Top 10 at the end of the year six times, including number one in 2012-2013. They're talking Final Four, no doubt. Oh, I'm sorry, Coach. I'm sorry. We'll keep it down. Yeah, right. You love your fishing. Catch and release. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, the other password was I don't think so. undefeated team in the nation stop it now it was it was a lot of it was a lot of work to put together but it was a lot of fun and that was uh, really one of our high points Gus of the year I think you know we had Baylor and we had Gonzaga both were undefeated they were rolling right there it was a heck of a lot of fun but I got to give you kudos I, what what was your thought process behind picking Gonzaga what did you see you know we mentioned a couple players there you knew about Zach Collins early you were all over him take us through what what well you nailed it how'd you nail it Okay, so here's the thought process. It's pretty simple. Number one, love for you. At some point, one of these coaches has to get through to the Final Four. He had been knocking on the door far too long. He had too many talented teams. He had run it. We talked about his string of bad luck running into the Duke team that won the title, running into the undefeated Wichita State team, uh, running into that tough Syracuse team uh, that got on a hot run that went to the Final Four. You know what? It, 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 this year it was just kind of his turn. Then, if you go ahead and look at the roster, you break down the roster. He had uh, All-American and Nigel Williams-Goss, who put up crazy Monte Morris-like numbers at the point guard and was unbelievably uber-efficient. Then, he had two wings that shot the ball unbelievably well in Perkins and Matthews. Both of those guys shot the ball at over 40% from three. Uh, did I think that they were going to shoot it that efficiently this year? No. Did I think that they were going to be really efficient uh, and effective players on the wing that weren't going to have major ball handling responsibilities? Of course. Um, Nigel Williams-Goss is going to take the majority of the ball handling uh, responsibilities. But then the big thing that we kind of talked about, and we talked about this with John Gassaway, was their reliance on the two-point shot. Yep, well done. The reliance on the two-point shot and their effective offensive rebounding numbers, which North Carolina parlayed into a national championship this year and a national runner-up the previous year, they had the bigs that could produce those easy twos, whether it be in the post or with an offensive rebound. We talked about Karnowski. Karnowski was a little bit of a wild card coming into the season because of his health issues previously. We're talking about a guy that had trouble getting out of bed because of his back issues yeah. and the ramifications sure. of the back surgeries that he had to get healthy. Um, we can go into that a little bit later, but we don't need to go that deep in it. I mean, he had infections from the surgeries that prevented him from getting out of bed, and he fought and toothed and clawed his way back to the court to get healthy. He could have just very easily turned to the other side of the bed and said, this sucks. I'm not going to try to do this. True. I'm too hurt. I can't get this right. But he made a decision and said, like, I'm going to get this right for myself, and I'm going to get this right for my team, and I'm going to get this right for my program. So – Kudos to Karnowski for getting it right because he played like a man all season. And then you throw in the other bigs. Uh, there are two freshman bigs. Uh, Tilly gave him some important minutes throughout the season. Uh, and then Collins, who's probably going to end up being a lottery pick at some point, probably going to go somewhere in the top 15. He played like a beast the entire season and especially showed out during the tournament. And then if you take a look at another one of their transfers, Williams. Williams was probably their glue guy this entire season. He did a yeah. little bit of everything. He shot threes. He rebounded. Big he defended threes. their best wings. Oh, tournament he was big amazing. Threes. Big threes in the tournament. You got it. Yeah. So, I mean, if you just – I mean, it, it, I mean, it's so easy to go back and do revisionist history right now and look back and say, like, oh, well, all these things went right for them. But 
those were some of the things that I was looking at going into the season. And plus, I was just a huge Karnowski fan and a really big believer in Nigel Williams-Goss and what he was going to bring to the table. And that's exactly right. It was well summarized. Listen, I, I, I was just hesitant. I, I mean, I knew Gonzaga was good. I, I did think St. Mary's was going to challenge them a little bit more, and they never did. But you, you harped on this every time, and I kind of didn't give it credence, but it was right. You said, listen, Gonzaga is that good. And St. Mary's gave Arizona all it could handle. Mm-hmm. I do I do still harbor animosity that Jock Landell had one foul with like five minutes left. <laughs> it really is amazing because Especially he, against the Arizona Bigs. Arizona Bigs are good. Well, especially Gus, after they play Gonzaga the first time and Landell's in foul trouble, right? I mean you would think that like the second time or the third time that right. he would probably avoid the foul trouble. I don't think he played any differently against Arizona. I didn't see him being more passive. It just worked out that way. But Gonzaga was really good, and that's why St. Mary's really couldn't get over the hump in the WC. But you nailed it all the way through. Only challenge, only challenge they really had, Gus. As much as I like to to poke the bear with Sandy, um, South Dakota State, and with Northwestern, the only challenge they really had was West Virginia. And after that, they kind of rolled. To be honest with you, because Northwestern they were up by twenty points. Okay, and listen, the BYU game is why we love sports. They lose to BYU at home for the third year in a row on Senior Night with an undefeated season. After BYU, as John Gassaway said, lost at San Diego by twelve. Uh, it, that's why we love sports. It, it's it's matchup dependent, and that's what it was. But. You nailed it. Uh, well done. And, and we had these final four picks that we talked about. Uh, and, and quite frankly, man, you nailed those as well. We held up our own end of the bargain. You picked Oregon to the final four. I picked UNC and Gonzaga. So between the two of us and the podcast as a whole, preseason in October, we nailed three of the final four. Not that bad. Not that bad at all. And here were the final four picks that we went to. We did our picks at the end of the year. How much fun was that? I mean, that was great. Gus? Uh, it was great fun. Yeah, I'll start with mine because they weren't as good as yours. I had Duke beating Villanova in that one bracket. Did not work out. Duke ended up being the team. Remember we talked about this? I mentioned that you're going to see snippets of what the team is. You're going to see the highs. You're going to see the lows. And the true you know, sort of creme de la creme of the prediction is which snippet is going to show up in the tournament. And we had the same with Wisconsin. The Duke snippet that showed up was the team that struggled all year. The Villanova yep. snippet that showed up, we talked about it. They couldn't beat Butler. And who plays like Butler? Wisconsin plays Wisconsin. like Butler. So that pick was way off. I had Arizona beating Gonzaga. Uh, Arizona didn't blow anyone out. Remember I mentioned that? Well, that came back to bite them, right? But, but Gonzaga did get there, of course. I had Purdue meeting Michigan. I did not think Kansas was going to make it. And Gus, if we go all the way back to one of our first shows, I asked you right after I said Frank Mason, I asked you later in that show, I said, Gun to your head, is Kansas making the Final Four? You said no. That is exactly yep. what you said at that time, and they didn't make it. So Michigan, I was right. Purdue, I was way off. And then I had UNC beating UCLA. The only one I got right of the Final Four was UNC. Um, your four, you had UNC beating Kentucky. I mean, you nailed it. You just sounds, nailed the final. Sounds about right. You nailed the final game. It was perfect. Uh, your blow-up bracket, you had SMU beating UVA. That was the tough one. Look, Anyone that, that one went a little haywire. I, 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 listeners, again, I apologize because I know that we went back and looked at the Yahoo brackets. There were a number of SMU picks going a little bit further than you thought. I apologize to all the listeners out there. Well, but to be fair, listen, if SMU, it's amazing, right? I mean, North Carolina gets through that Arkansas game, and if they didn't, it could have been a different tournament. If SMU can win that first game, Gus, they could have easily been in the Final Four. Easily. Yeah. Not even a if question. They, if they get past USC, like 
again, I think I think they're as good as almost any team that was there. They're as good as Florida. They're as good as Wisconsin. They're as good as South Carolina. Yep. Like it, you know, and and that's why we love the tournament because something like crazy like that happens, and then USC moves on from the playing game, which we always say one of those playing games. Uh, teams gets yep. really hot and wins multiple games, and that's exactly what happened. I was going to a CVS to pick some stuff up, and I had on my phone the game, and I'm watching the game walking into CVS. I walked into something when I came in the front door, <laughs> and I'm like, they did not just lose. I couldn't even believe they it. Did. Uh, then Louisville beating Nevada. You had that one. That was another blow-up one. You, you know, you rode Nevada, which was – in. um Eric Fawcett had talked about how great Cam Oliver is. He's another right, guy who can get right, drafted right. and can be really good. Uh, that was your uh, your third one. And then you had Gonzaga. Gonzaga beating Florida State, which I call a total win because you did not have Arizona getting there, which almost everybody did because the Final Four was in Phoenix. Right. Uh, I thought that uh, I thought that Florida State has it mu- at, at as much talent as Arizona, um, but who knew Trayvon Blewett would happen and Chris Mack would happen? And Xavier totally blew up that bracket. And uh, Xavier, uh, uh, Trayvon Blewett went absolutely bananas and pulled a thin Cinderius Thornwell on us and, and, and took his team to the Elite Eight. Really impressive by Chris Mack and uh, Trayvon Blewett. I'm so glad. I hope that Trayvon Blewett decides to, to stay in school and come back for one more year and have a chance to be a first-team preseason All-American. He's got him, man, because just like Grayson Allen with that drug issue that he has right now, he's got to yeah. come back because he was yep. hot. And it's a shame. People make mistakes. It happens. Um, but he's got to erase that just like Grayson Allen has, and he's got to put himself back because he could be a lottery pick next year. No doubt about it. True. Uh, so, Gus, we didn't have time, of course, to get to all of our interviews. Uh, just want to give a, a shout-out here, maybe say one thing about each person. Dr. Yeah. Tony. We had Dr. Tony in, of course, our <laughs> Ivy League expert, has a tremendous busy schedule, ER doctor, but also a huge Kyle Hoops fans with us. He came on a couple times and gave us some great knowledge. Um, doctors, I, here's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping we can get Dr. Tony on over the summer. Definitely. No, definitely. Does that sound, yeah. sounds like a plan? Do you think we can hook him up and pull him away from the ER? Yeah, people stop bleeding and stop going to the ER in the middle of the night. Maybe Dr. <laughs> right, can do some right. more podcasts. We'll get Dr. Tony on. It'll be fine. Uh, we also had Kermit Davis from Middle Tennessee. Uh, Kermit Davis, great job on Middle Tennessee, of course. They ended up losing in the in the second round to Butler, but they did get that first round win over Minnesota. Kermit Davis, so friendly, really got a confidence gust from him. They felt they could beat anyone, and he just re-upped his contract there, so he's going to be a Blue Raider for a long time. I am happy when the big coach re-ups at the school where they had success and tries to replicate that success over and over again. Just look at Mark Few and the model that he built at Gonzaga. I love that other people like Kermit Davis are trying to replicate that and move forward. We had Tony Patelis from College Hoop News, another one of these junkies like us who never sleeps. Gus, he was also a huge fan of Gonzaga. He was a huge, huge fan of Gonzaga, said they were for real and was backing them the whole way. Tony's the best. Now, Tony is like, like you said, like us and is embedded in this thing big time. So it was so cool to spend some time with him and hear what he had to think. And it was kind of a little comforting to hear him share some of our similar views. So it made me feel like, I don't know, it made me feel a bit better that Tony was thinking the same thing we were. Darn right. Uh, we had Thomas Bendit, who's the editor uh, at, at BT Powerhouse. Thomas, you know, of course, has been helping me out. We appreciate it. Does a great job with that site. Articles are up all the time. Thomas breaks the news when it comes out. And he also, he talked about the, the Big Ten. Now, the Big Ten may be down in some people's eyes, but there are some teams to watch out for. He was right about Purdue. He was right about Michigan and, and Wisconsin as well. You know what? He was kind of spot on with Michigan, if I remember correctly. So the fact that he was so keyed in to that, like kind of ahead of the curve, I felt like, you know, 
once like Michigan got on a little bit of a roll, everybody was on their bandwagon. But I'm going to say Thomas Bennett was a little bit ahead of everybody, and he was a little bit keyed in on the Wolverines before everybody else. The three others we had were three heavyweights. We had Paul Biancardi from ESPN. We just tweeted out some stuff for him, Gus, his, his rankings, and we'll be talking to him in the summer, no doubt. That, yeah. will, that will be an interview within the next month. You can lock it up. He is all over these new kids coming in. He knows where they're going. He knows who's good, who's bad. He's got the rankings on ESPN, and, and Coach Biancardi, great job. So can I just give Coach Biancardi, this is not anything about what we talked about at all. He is completely underrated on the air. If you heard him call a couple of games this year, he was phenomenal. Yep. He broke down what was happening in each uh, uh, play-by-play. Like He was really good. They need to get him on the mic and put a mic in front of him more often if he's willing to do that because he was that good. Totally agree. The uh, the other one we had, two others we had, Casey Jacobson was nice enough to call him when he was out calling the Pac-12, did a lot of stuff. And Gus, I remember Casey because Casey said before the tournament started, he liked Oregon. He said that or the Chris Boucher injury is not going to be as bad as everyone thought it was. He said it right away. He said now the better players get more time and they can adjust. It's not like they were losing Dylan Brooks. He was totally right. They made the Final Four. Good call by Casey Jacobson. You know what? You stole my thunder with Casey Jacobson because I remember him saying that as well. And he said that their starting five was going to be intact and that was not going to mess with their major rotation. Uh, they were just going to have to shorten their rotation. They were not going to have to like revamp their starting rotation. So I totally remember Casey saying that. And Casey also was on uh, Gonzaga's defense. I remember him also being a big fan of how Gonzaga was defending going into the tournament. That's exactly right. And Gus, the last one that we'll talk about is probably the one that we enjoyed the most. John Gassaway from ESPN. John came on. You know, Gus had turned me on, folks, to the fact that Gassaway had this article earlier in the year where he predicted where all six of the unbeatens were going to lose. He got five out of six, and he got BYU right. He was just on the road. It was just a date late, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and he talked. You mentioned it, too. So much information we got from John Gassaway, folks. You follow him there at, at, at John Gassaway on Twitter. He's got his own website, johngassaway.com. It talks about the the, um, the two percentage and how shooting the two and where he thought that Gonzaga was getting a raw deal, Gus, I remember, because he said everyone's – you can criticize every team. No team here is unflawed. So he just didn't understand why Gonzaga was getting the, the criticism and the Kansases and the Villanovas and the rest of the people were not. Correct. If you're going to go ahead and key in and lock into something during next college basketball season, you need to go ahead and take a look every Tuesday – at John Gassaway's Tuesday Truths. Definitely. He will break down things for you and mention things for you and give you these unbelievably stats on a possession-based metric, which is absolutely out of control and unbelievably uh, efficient. Um, But he'll also give you his thoughts on what's happening inside of each conference. So if you go ahead and pay attention to anything next season and you're looking for another thing to, like, absorb and um, consume, take a look at John Gassaway's Tuesday Truths. They're amazing. Couldn't have said it better, my friend. And those were the guests that we had, which were fantastic across the board. Boy, it's been quite a season, Gus. And I, I, what, a, what a lot of fun it's been. It was a great recap show here. We will be coming back, folks, pretty hot and heavy over the next few weeks. We're going to be doing a lot of draft talk. We're going to be breaking down by position. We'll have some great guests on. Paul Biancardi, we said he'll come on. We'll see if we can get other people to come back on here. No, John Gasso will come back at some point as well. So we're excited about the NBA draft. We have strong opinions. If you're paying attention on Twitter, you know they're coming. 
Uh, but it's been a great year, my friend. It is an honor to be here with you. I don't know. I can't believe what the future is going to hold. I know some great things are coming now over next season and the off season. But what a first year. I, it's been an honor and a privilege to be here talking uh, college hoops with you, my friend. Really enjoyed it. Uh, it's been one of my favorite sayings. It's been time well spent. And listeners, it's been time well spent with you. So thank you for giving us that time. And thank you for choosing to spend your time well with us. And Gus, on the way out here, we're going to play a little Twas the Night Before March Madness, huh? Summer- oh, no way! Yeah, we're going to, here it comes right now, folks. Twas yes! the Night Before March Madness. It summarizes it perfectly. And Gus, it ends our first real full season with the phrase that pretty much started it all. Shoot the ball, <laughs> London. Yes, Thanks, sir. For, folks, we'll be back next week. we got a couple more coming on the NBA draft. Hope you enjoyed the recap show, everybody. Thank you. Twas the night before Selection Sunday, and all through the court. Not a sneaker was squeaking, not even Nike Air Force. The brackets were hung by the wall with great care, in hopes that March Madness soon would be here. The shockers were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of Jayhawks danced in their heads. And Krzyzewski in tie, and I in Iona cap, had just settled in to watch Ethan Hap. When out in Gonzaga there arose such a clatter, Mark Few sprang to the sideline to see what was the matter. Away to the basket, De'Aaron Fox flew like a flash. Not to be outdone, Frank Mason then dashed. The light from a three fresh out of Joel Berry's hand, almost eclipsed by the shadow of Caleb Swanigan, so grand. And what to Dylan Brooks's eyes should appear, Iowa State's Monte Morris and turnovers that disappear. Kevin Keats and his Seahawks, so lively and quick, I knew to watch out for a Jordan Bell pick. More rapid than the trigger from Malik Monk's hand they came. Patino's Cardinals, they pressed and trapped them by name. Now Scucci, now Dom, now Mello and Bonzi. On Motley, on Trier, on Brunson and Lindsay. To the top of the glass, straight to the block. Now rebound and dunk and say rock chalk Jayhawk. As bounce passes to the post that feed Justin Patton. Joe Lowell Aquil will arrive and shots he will flatten. So off to the first round, the teams, they all flew. With backdoors aplenty, as Princeton Tigers so do. And then in a twinkling, a two-pointer from Nova, led by Jay Wright, always dressed like Casanova. We focused on the games, often four at a time. Down the chimney, Huggy Bear came, one of the best of all time. He was dressed in a jumpsuit, all yellow and black. Press Virginia he leads, point guard sweat, that's a fact. The Wolverines were there too, three-pointers aplenty. Dana Altman as well, his ducks so scoreboard friendly. The Big 12 is best, Coach Huggins so bellowed. Don't forget the Bearcats, said Cronin, that confident fellow. The magic of UCLA comes when Lonzo rubs the lamp. But can Bryce Alford make threes like Connor Frankamp? Those eyes, how they twinkled, the final four would be merry. Florida's like a Sunday, Keevon Allen, the cherry. The quiet SMU, so very under the radar. Oklahoma State can sure score, but can they go far? 
The grooves of the ball stick tight to the hand. A loose ball on the floor? Matt Farrell's your man. The legends are here. Phoenix is their pinnacle. Just open your eyes, look. Danny Manning and the Miracles. The games will be great. We hope to see some OT. Trayvon Blewett leads Xavier, overcoming great injuries. With a wink of an eye and a twist of the head, more games will start up. There's nothing to dread. Time to speak, not a word. Just sit back and relax. It's the best time of year. Sorry, old Roy, it's a fact. Gus nails fishy lines. The story so goes. To the microphone, Mike comes. Always together, they rose. Right to the podcast, bell jar sound the whistle. And now they will fly like the down of a thistle. But I hear them exclaim as the NCAA tournament starts the fun. Happy March Madness to all. And shoot the ball, London! London!